welcome to the Mr. Opinionated Podcast. This month, my guest is Mike Donaldson Jr., here to discuss with us all things superheroes. Welcome back to the Mr. Opinionated Podcast, and now on episode four of my monthly inane drivel about film. Uh, this week's film we have uh, Mike Donaldson, Mike yeah. Donaldson Jr., as he's uh, yeah. professionally yeah. known, uh, and we're going to talk about the um, the rift and I suppose the competition between Marvel and DC. So it's a bit of a it's a bit less of a serious subject than last month's discussion, but uh, no more important as superhero films seem to come out of the mildew every month or so. So um, Mike is very much of the opinion that DC is better. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and he's entitled to his wrong opinion. Oh. And um, and I'm um, of the opinion that the MCU is by far the superior superhero of our franchise. But we shall get into that discussion later. We shall start off with our um, rundown of an old film and new film. And I shall hand over to my guest for our first one. So what's your old film you want to discuss with us, Mike? My, my old film is one which everyone who likes films should see. It's Man of the Hands Affair. <laughs> because is but people you always hear someone go oh the room man that film's so bad it's like the worst film ever it's not Manos is it's so inept people the, the scene keeps on retaking itself because they haven't cut it right yeah. it's it's shot really badly the actors are terrible but it has that charm it has that charm you know when you watch something bad and you're like I understand it's bad and it's good but watching it with Mystery Science Fair 3000 riffing over the top some of the gold it's just absolute gold it's kind of like the appeal that Batman and Robin has now Oof. in that it's it's so bad but it's so funny to watch because every, every bad pun is cringy yet hilarious yeah. in it's awfulness I'm not going to defend that <laughs> no, there is no defence of Batman and Robin and there's no defence of films like The Room but The Room is also hilarious oh yeah and, it's and it's an experience you should definitely have if you like films I hadn't actually heard of Manos until you um so you mentioned it. Strange how you bring up Manos, and it sounds quite close to Thanos, and we're going to be discussing that a lot later. Yeah. So I think that's subconscious, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, honestly, I think oh, when I looked it up in like when I was in like year eleven, it was like one point two, one point three on IMDb. It's mm. but now because it got a Blu-ray release, people demanded a Blu-ray release of this film, and it got it. And now people are actually giving it good reviews as a jerk. So someone must like pick this up, and be like, oh, is this any good? No, it's not. I am. Um, I, I did some research after you first mentioned it to me, and I discovered that it's, it's comparison with the room is a bit deeper than what people think it's because it was also written, directed, produced by the same guy. But unlike the room, it actually has sequels. They they made sequels yeah. to the Hand of Fate. Yeah, there was a puppet one and a student one as well. I think. And it, all all of its popularity came out of Mystery Science. Oh yeah. 3000. Yeah, it is brilliant. Yeah. So uh, there's a so bad it's good film which. Um, Bring no end of hilarity. If you haven't seen The Room, I strongly suggest you find a midnight showing of that. And uh, Manos as well, which I will endeavour to watch. Oh, probably through my fingers. Yeah, I, I made my friends sit through it at A level, and they were just they were like, "No, this is horrible." <laughs> it's one of the, it was one of those that's so ineptly filmed that all of the scenes are out of order, like, like The Room. Oh, the, the, yeah, there's some bits like that. There's there's um, this borderline like sexist sort of themes going through there it's yeah it's horrible my, my two absolute favourite things about the room is uh, 
the, the, the flower shop scene with the dog because it's so it makes no sense at all yeah. the lines are completely out of order and just to top off the ridiculous hilarious action it just acknowledges this random dog sat on the yeah. counter at the end and and the second one is the recurring conversations that his girlfriend has with his with her mother <laughs> it's because they say the same thing about yeah. four times over and and to make it more hilarious like the mother is concerned that um, this this woman shouldn't leave Johnny because he's got a job and she can't probably because she's a woman and yeah. all that kind oh, of no, it's so, so hilariously badly written and Manos sounds like it's the same thing so I'm going to have to find this and watch it as I say probably through clenched, clenched fingers oh, so that's my fault I'll, I'll repay you for your traumatic experience <laughs> you can pay for my cat counselling afterwards <laughs> so what's your new film selection like? well I don't go to cinema an, an, an awful lot I'm, I'm a bit of an idiot I just go superhero films at mm-hmm. this point because you know money <laughs> but uh, Shazam I saw recently mm-hmm. and I, I'll remain spoiler free just in case yeah. anyone's listening but my, I, I bought the comic from Amazing Fantasy in Hull Mm-hmm. Just plug that. That's a good but, shop. If yeah, you're in home. it was fifteen quid. I was like, shop the new fifty two because I got the first issue when it came out, and I was like, this is good. But as a kid, I didn't have access to just go to town whenever I want, mm-hmm. buy whatever I want. So I, I picked up recently, and I went to see the film. And all I was thinking was, how is this true to the comics? I know it's a horrible way to grade stuff nowadays, but mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was thinking, and it stuck to the comics so well. And it, I mean, it took Black Adam out, obviously, but. Mm-hmm. It, it still it was still perfect. Mark Strong, so the guy who played a space marine and Sinestro from Green Lantern. I like that film. Mm-hmm. Sorry again, but he was in it and he was he was brilliant. So intense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do have a soft spot for Mark Strong. I, I must admit, uh, I think uh, he's my favorite part of the Kingsman films in particular. Yeah, I I saw a bit of the first Kingsman. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't like it. Didn't yeah, not very much. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I also saw Shazam. There's a review available on MrOpinionedWeb.com. Go and, go and read it. It's brilliant. Um, but but Shazam, um, as we're going to discuss, I'm I'm not always the biggest admirer of DC films. But ever since they've decided to go with solo releases rather than team releases, I don't think they've made a bad film since. Uh, um, no. Shazam was great. It was a, a lot of fun. Um, Aquaman was yeah. Aquaman was good I can understand why people didn't like it as much it was flawed but it was good fun at the same time and it's just impossible to dislike Jason Momoa really. Mama, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Wonder Woman's probably my f- favourite film of the DCEU really? thus far yeah okay definitely, definitely mine. yeah yeah go ahead you want to hit me <laughs> is it Batman v Superman yeah, it yeah. is <laughs> Ultimate Edition it's my favourite oh, favourite comic oh, film oh of all time that's going to be a big discussion later because uh, there's so many points of Batman v Superman that I think merit discussion even three years on. Oh. And it's just something that I, I still argue with my friends over whether it's actually good or not. But we will come to that later as well as all other discussions. And I, I'm sure you will point out things that you don't like about Marvel films and I can well, uh, yeah. dis- dispute them. I have to mention my grading criteria, obviously. Yeah. About it. yeah. Mike mentioned this to me. He's got a really... Kind of, I wouldn't say bizarre, but a very different way of yeah, grading yeah. films. I'm, I'm sorry, again. But should, do you want me to mention it? Uh, yeah, mention it now and we can touch yeah, it again later. Um, well, I, I did actually make a mistake when I mes- messaged you because I was reading some John Byrne She Hulk comics, so I wasn't mm. really concentrating a lot. But 
the way I see it is that I want a film which does something new, something challenging, something which makes me go, oh. It's like, you know when DC went comedic, I was like, mm. no. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, actually, this is really good. But like Marvel, I feel, are doing the same thing over and over again. Like, I'm not going to diss Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel is, a, is the greatest film, in my opinion, for doing something sort of weird. Because it made me feel, I went, no, this is horrible. It's unambitious and I don't like it. But then on the other hand, I was thinking, it's a good film. Like, technically CGI, everything was good. Brie Larson was brilliant. But for some reason, I didn't like it just because it felt so bland. It felt like the cheese sandwich, you know? Yeah. It gets the job done, but it's. I'd rather have the ham sandwich. The, the one thing I will say about Captain Marvel, as much as I did like the film, is it felt like it could have done so much more. Oh, yeah. With what it had. I, it, my, I mean, I wrote a, a brief review and I was like, Marvel at this point, they have banks of money. Like, yeah. you can, you made us see Guardians of the Galaxy, for Christ's sake. Just do anything. Throw anything you want at the screen and we'll see it. I, I think there were, there were certain MCU films, Captain Marvel being one of them, that serve as more advertisements for the next film than films themselves. Oh, yeah. And, and this yeah. is something that's happened a few <laughs> times with Marvel. That is the, one of the criticisms that I will agree with tenuously not all films fall into that category some mm. have a right to exist on their own and Captain Marvel has has good parts that make it stand out on its own but it kind of felt like the last piece of the jigsaw puzzle that needed to be put there before Endgame came out oh, yeah. and it was more released for that rather than making it home by Captain Marvel yeah it was sort of like before a big event but I mean Ant-Man was before Civil War and that was a great film Ant- so, Ant-Man was great yeah because the way you can do it right is that you know love Edgar Wright to do the film but then it takes them. Except he didn't, so. yeah. So, anyway, um, my old film, new film, my old film is uh, what I consider to be the greatest comic book film of all time, mm-hmm. of which I just think there is no competition. There's close competition, but it comes still nowhere near, and that's The Dark Knight. That's my second favourite. Is it? Yeah. I just, I don't think anything ever will come as close to that much. Pet of a pet. That is, oh man. I, I remember my friend doing a media project on, he had to recreate one of the scenes mm. and he was like, Do you want to help? I'm like, I'm the Joker. Like, just make me that. So I love that film. I know the lines, everything. Yeah. The, the great thing about it is it's a comic book film but made by a visionary director who, yeah. who didn't kind of make his name in comic book films he came into it with his own vision a vision that's kind of been that was taken at the start of the DCEU and kind of bastardised for a couple of their films mm-hmm. but when it was new and it was fresh especially with the Dark Knight trilogy it the, the Dark Knight just ticked every single box I mean Heath Ledger was incredible oh, wow, yeah. um, Christian Bale was an amazing Batman oh, yeah, um, the supporting cast Aaron Eckhart was great as Two-Face um, Gary Oldman was a great Jim Gordon every piece fell into place and even though the Joker's scheme in the film doesn't seem to make much sense when you say it out loud he's insane exactly he's (laughs) insane he's not supposed to make sense it's perfect it's visually perfect it's the dialogue's great the action is amazing everything about the Dark Knight is, is the best and I think the 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 only film that's ever come close to it was Logan a few years years ago oh do you want me to say my first yeah yeah yeah, comic film of all time Man's Dread Dread. Yeah, because I, it, like it took the future, which obviously is like you you see all these futuristic villains like Blade Runner and stuff like that. But then it made it look like it was in Hull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there was a bridge scene at the beginning. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've seen that in Hull. But it, mm-hmm. they put like CGI into it and like a sci-fi element. I just loved it. It was so gritty and it it was 
are a massive 2008 fan. Like it's better than Marvel and DC, hands down. But they they managed to capture everything from the comics and make it cool. Like, yeah. No, not that cool as in the comics are bad, but like on screen. They certainly a very underrated one that didn't make as much money as it deserved to. And oh, yeah. I think mean, there's been a sequel that people have been wanting to be made for years, but it's, prob- oh, yeah, yeah. it's probably not going to happen because it didn't make enough money the first there's time. There's a TV around. series coming out. Yeah. So. But then again, it's the kind of um, hero that once you've got it right, it's very good. But there's a, a couple of examples of heroes that they still can't get right. Like one of my favourite comic book characters for reading comic books is the Punisher. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I, I still don't feel that anything has got the Punisher right yet. Oh, what? John Bernthal? In, in, in Daredevil Season 2, yeah. Oh, yeah. But his, his, his actual standalone TV series. I, I haven't seen that because I'm not getting Netflix until I can get myself a job as well. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I saw Daredevil Season 2, I got it on Blu ray, and I was like, damn, that is good. Yeah. The Punisher's badass. But the, to me, finding a way to make the Punisher is quite easy because he's got two really great comic stories that you could just film back to back there's um, The Punisher Born mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've read that one but it's, I haven't read that one it's no. basically it's the Frank Castle during the Vietnam War and it's uh, it's like Apocalypse Now but a comic book and with The Punisher in it and he's not yet The Punisher but it's how he's how his psyche is formed in Vietnam and, and how he has a mental trauma on him and yeah. it's very deep and it's quite brutal in places as the Vietnam War was there's one particular scene where um, uh, Frank Castle is the only person to survive a napalm attack, and he's mm. he's he's holding a the the body of one of his friends that's just kind of bent out of all out of recognition, and Damn. and and it's the kind of comic book film that, that would break the mold so much that we need it so much. And then there's Welcome Home Frank, which would be a perfect second one. I've heard of that one. Yeah. yeah, that's where he starts to take on the mobs in. Hell's Gate mm. Kitchen, but in here enough about that. So I'm, <laughs> I'm getting off, off, off track already. This is going to be a long one. I can feel it. Um, so yeah, the Dark Knight. I also highly rate Batman Begins and the Dark Knight Rises as well. Dark Knight Rises kind of off the rails a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where if you watch the Christopher Nolan explaining his vision, like mm. what he thought, it makes it a lot better. Mm. And uh, I think it was kind of ruined by unintentionally by Heath Ledger's death because I think he was very definitely supposed to be in the same well, I mean the, the sort of like I think it's in the novel or something I heard it on, online is that he's the only person in Arkham Asylum he's just wandering around there he, mm. they basically because Bane frees loads of people from I think Blackgate I think it's in the comics anyway it's Blackgate but and then Joker's just the only one in Arkham Asylum they've just went he's too crazy we're going to shove him in Arkham Asylum and leave him Yeah, I, I like that sort of theory that he's just alone it, it's a, a good idea to cover up what they can no longer do because Heath yeah. Ledger's not around and had Heath Ledger still been around then he'd, he'd have probably been in the C sequel yeah he'd have stolen the show mind you yeah and, and I, to be fair I really liked Tom Hardy as Bane I really liked his Bane character oh yeah I could take or leave the voice but it was especially when yeah. when it was more difficult to make out what he was saying yeah I didn't like him being like all crybaby at the end and stuff Although I do think mm. it's quite challenging to make a big buff dude into someone who's like quite subservient yeah. stuff. I kind of like that aspect, but I mean, there was a bit of unintentional comedy in some of the scenes where it was Bane and Batman, two characters you can barely understand, <laughs> having a, a, a match yeah, of yeah. conversation, just growling at each other. 
I just think I wish we could, we'd get Nightfall Bane, you know, intelligent Bane. Yeah, yeah. Batman and Robin mixed with Dark Knight Rises, you'd probably sort of get in I mean, there. Dark Knight Rises is kind of close to that Nightfall Bane because he mm. wasn't exactly an idiot in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah, but I want him like big, the the Mexican wrestling mask and yeah. stuff. <laughs> like he was in the the Arkham games. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, yeah. Yeah. Again, the, the Arkham games are brilliant as well. The kind of series that went off the rails, much like. Um, a lot of superhero films do. But my, my new film to kind of take us away from superheroes for a bit was one I saw on Monday night, a film called Wild Rose. Have you heard of this one? I've, I've heard of it. I looked at it and thought, that's going to be like every other film I see. Actually, sell it to me. Sell it, sell it to me. Yeah. Right. It's, it's about a, a young mum from Glasgow who c- comes out of prison. Um, and her big dream in life is to go to Nashville and to become a country singer. And... Uh, along the way of course there's problems there you know there's money but she's also got a kind of domineering very stern mother played by Julie Walters who's a national tre- treasure obviously and um, she she's kind of sick of this whole fantasy of going to Nashville and she wants her to kind of take responsibility for, for her kids and look after them but um, the mother gets an opportunity to make some money for a woman she's working with offers to put on a concert there to raise money to go to Nashville and then without wanting to give too much away things happen that would make her need to be more responsible to her children so it gives her the choice of chasing this dream and going to Nashville or taking responsibility for, for her kids oof yeah it's a big oof it's um did you ever watch Fish Tank yeah that was yeah. great I it, it reminded me a lot of Fish Tank this is what I mentioned in my review um, I like uh, British filmmaking stories that are very working class stories can can only yeah. be told in that contained environment, and this kind of feels like a story that you could only that you could only take out of that environment. You know, it's a very working class story about working class yeah. characters. I thought Fish Tank was quite good until like Michael Fassbender shows up, and all I can see is Magnus. <laughs> A very young Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I mean, because it's like it's kind of realistic, it's gritty and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly Michael Fassbender, and I'm like, okay, now I know it's. I, I, all I can think of is it's, it's a film now and instead of being real. The um the, the there isn't much similarities between Fish Tank and Wild Rose on paper. I just think it's in the kind of styles. Yeah, yeah. The, the aesthetics. They're both set in a kind of very similar way. They're both set on kind of council estates and set ones in Glasgow and ones in I think it was London. Fish Tank was it? Yeah, yeah, it was in London. So there's the difference there, and obviously there's the whole Glaswegian element of it. There's a lot of things that are very unique to Glasgow that make their way into this story, including the accent and the way they talk, and all that just kind of drew me into the world of the characters. And as I say, uh, Jesse Buckley's the lead, who I think won BAFTA's breakout star a few years, like the last year, a few years ago. She was great. Obviously, Julie Walters is always great. Yeah, yeah. As I say, she's a national treasure. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, she's very out of her out of her usual planes on here. She she had a, a very good Glaswegian accent. And she does the full accent. Yeah, yeah. I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm done that. So I think the message I wanted to say here is just go to see Julie Walters' Glaswegian accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. But yeah, uh, the, the review's available on my website. I very much enjoyed it. It's probably one of them been more the ones I've enjoyed the most this year so far yeah um, I've now seen 28 films in cinemas this year that was my 28th oh. film yeah nice. um, 28 films later yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually because I keep a list of films I see during the year I've done it for the last few years and by the time I'd seen 28 films last year it was October oh right so oh wow and 
Um, my aim is between 60 and 70 films this year. Wow. Some, some, <laughs> somewhere between there. I, I know that professional critics can do up to 10 or 12 films a week. So Yeah. Quality, mate. It's quality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the old saying is quality over quantity, isn't it? Yeah. yeah and I, I think that's the case because I've seen some dreadful films so far this year. Hellboy being a particular one. Oh, I stunned. Wait, I almost said still need to go and see that. Yeah, don't. But no, I don't. I don't. Don't waste your time on a Hellboy. Although uh, Greg Staples, two thousand eighty artist, did concept art, so that's kind of selling it to me already. To be fair, it's probably one of the ugliest films I've ever seen. It, yeah, it's, <laughs> okay. it's really ugly. The, the the design of Hellboy is all right. I prefer the Ron Perlman one because he oh, looks yeah. he looks a bit smaller in this one. It doesn't look as much. Yeah, but um, all the CG is terrible and the. Character designs look like something out of a late 90s video game. It's, yeah, it's, it's not worth your time. Yeah. <clears throat> right, so our main topic of discussion Marvel and DC. So.
Set out your stall, Mike. What, why is this a hill you're willing to die on? No, I'm sorry, but uh, it's because I like DC. They're just, they're just trying things. Like, I can't predict what I'm going to see. Like, I go in, Shazam's a comedy. I'm not... No, I was going to say Suicide Squad, but I'm going to move along. But Donna Justice is, like, dark. The Joker film... I mean, they say... A Joker origin story, I'm like, nope. They're like, yeah. it, it, all this sort of stuff. It's, it's dark. I'm like, oh, right then. But the, everything... Even the look of the Joker, I was like, no, no, don't like it. The trailer came out. I watched the trailer once, went, no, nah, rubbish. And then I watched it again, and I was like, no, wait a minute, there's something here. There's something good. And I've watched it about 20 times now. I'm like, oh, I can't wait for this film. It's a sort of like, it's just, it's daring. It's like, so what? Marvel are doing nice films? Who cares? We're going to do this dark, horrible, like, I think it's touching on mental health and stuff. I'm like, that's it. It's a very touchy topic to go into. So. The, the thing to know about the Joker film is it's it takes place outside of the regular yes. DCU timeline, which I think will help it enormously, not being yeah. a, a, a canon film in a lot of respects. But I got the feeling when I first saw that trailer that I got when I saw the Logan trailer. Again, mm-hmm. it's not much similarities, it's just that feeling of this is something different but in yeah, a really yeah. good way. Like I, when the Logan trailer first came out, it was the the one that had hair by Johnny Cash on it, and it was yes. like the, oh, yeah. it had that Western aesthetic, and I, I was like, "All the fuck yes, this, all of this in my face yes. right now." And I, I was I was the same with the with Joker. I I want to see it so much because it looks so different and all, well, like something we've not seen before. There's a link between Johnny Cash, you know, being the Joker actor and uh, in the. Uh, Logan trailer. Yeah, because so. he directed it, didn't he? J- J- James Mangold directed What Walk the Line as well. Yeah, so. with, uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. Yaqueen. Phoenix. Phoenix, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who is, of course, playing the Joker, which is a great, a great casting yeah. move. I mean, he looks like uh, Patrick Troughton, the second Doctor, way too much. Just a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, this looks interesting. But Yaqueen Phoenix, and I'm, I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing that name right, but I'm, I'm going to go I with it. I bet I said Joaquin and Jerkin, so... Joaquin, <laughs> Jaqueen Phoenix, however you say it. Uh, he's a, a very rare actor in that he works very well in both Art House and big budget style films. He looks like an Art House film. Yeah, he, he does a lot of Art House kind of films and smaller budget stuff, mm. but can also be depended on to carry your big budget films, which is a, a rare quality in an actor. Yeah. It's pretty good. I can't wait for it. Strange choice of director, though. Todd Phillips, who did the Hangover trilogy. Yeah, it's again DC. They're just they're just going. Oh yeah, sure. Have this like James Wan. I think he'd only done eighteen certificate. James Wan. Yeah, he'd done a lot of horror films. Yeah, he did like Saw and stuff. And it's like you want you want a kids action film about a guy no one cares about. I mean, they take the piss out of him in the New Fifty Two. Like, oh, there's a superhero. Stop the car. Oh, it's Aquaman. Just run him down. But the thing is that he took that, and now we all like Aquaman, and the film's bloody great, so... I think the reason we like Aquaman is because he's played by Jason Momoa, mainly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's 100% a Momoa film. (laughs) The the thing I disliked about DC at the start, I'm coming Mm. around more to it now as I've really enjoyed the solo films, was I didn't really like how... In my head, Zack Snyder was trying to turn Superman into Batman. Because he, he he made Superman a, a dark and broody kind of misery ghost, which Superman just isn't. He's 
he's a big blue boy scout unless we're talking like Injustice Universe and stuff yeah like that. <laughs> that's a completely different kettle of fish though I, mean, I, f- I feel like Zack Snyder did it because he wanted something different as in like we, we've got the the nice Superman it's in the comics we've got a, a, like four f- how many films are there like five na- with Superman Returns but, so we've got we've got that and that that's all yeah nice jolly Superman stuff so if you want that you can watch that I feel like he was saying this is a different one but I feel like, yeah, maybe we should have had the positive Superman before you you delve into the dark Superman. But in recent times, maybe like start with him being a hope icon, then bring him down. But yeah. I, I see what Zack Snyder was doing. Zack Zack Snyder kind of took the aesthetic that Christopher Nolan tried to yeah. establish mm-hmm. in the Dark Knight trilogy and ramped it up to a quite frankly ridiculous degree. Yeah, As, especially when you're having. Batman just flat out murder people, which is yeah. yeah I, he, the the one thing he doesn't do. Well, um, apart from the first the first appearance, he had a gun and stuff, and he just shoot people out of the back well back after and stuff. So, uh, it, it, Zack Snyder, I mean, his recent interview, yeah, okay, we'll work out that because I don't think it'll be suitable for your podcast at this point. But <clears throat> I see what he's trying to do again. Like he he's presenting us with a different type of Batman. He's like, of course, Batman kills, and it's true in the comics. Like. He shoots Joker, uh, Scarecrow through the face with his grapple gun to hang him on a ceiling. I'm like, you're definitely dead. So there's no way you're surviving that. So I, I get what Zack Snyder's trying to make. I, it's a, I think he was trying to comment on society nowadays and stuff. And Batman is a representation of that. Also, Batman's older, so he's he's going to more extreme measures. So I see what he's trying to do. But I, I saw on the Comic Storian podcast they were doing, they said that we should have had a positive Batman which, and then this saw Batman, which is more dark. But then we've got a Dark Knight trilogy. You've got yeah. Batman, Batman Returns. Maybe. Batman, in the way he's been written since somewhere around the 80s, mm. has always been the darker character to Superman's light. Oh, yeah, the darker. And, um, Bat- and Batman suits that. But he's always had this creed, except in a few kind of off-cut comics where he, he doesn't kill. That's his one rule. Yeah. And... You kind of put certain characterizations of Batman onto Superman in the DCEU, and it just doesn't suit Superman because that's not his character. Yeah, Christopher Reeve is the best. Although I must say, Zack Snyder has all of my sympathy because the pretty much everything that went wrong with both Batman v Superman and Justice League was down to studio meddling. Uh, Justice League was pretty much taken out of his hands in the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fuck that was. I think his I think his daughter died, didn't so. so yeah. He had to retreat. Yeah. Um, he, his yeah. He, his daughter died, and he had to drop out at the post production stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joss Whedon took over, ostensibly to help with the post production, but then reshot about eighty percent of the film. Yeah. And and um, I also have. Certain opinions on Josh Whedon. I don't really rate Josh Whedon all that much. Oh, have you ever seen Buffy and Angel? Like, I don't like Buffy. What about Angel? <laughs> I, I, I don't. My, my gripe with Josh Whedon is he seems to make every line of dialogue just sarcastic, goofy, quippy, and it gets on, gets on my nerves. So um, I'm guessing you didn't like Thor Ragnarok then? Oh, no, I like Thor oh, Ragnarok. Right. There were, there was. <laughs> I can take it in certain doses, yeah. but Josh Whedon seems to fill all of his dialogue with goofy quips and nonsense sequiturs, and it just gets on my nerves. 
Yeah, it, it is an aesthetic. I mean, they have books in the uni library about, you know, Joss Whedon's sort of aesthetic, yeah. how he, he approaches stuff. So it's sort of an acquired taste, you know. If you don't like it, like, I don't think you will like it, but it, it is a good taste. I like it. I like the way it tastes. <laughs> I like the way Joss Whedon tastes. I do like Firefly, though. So oh, that, yeah, Firefly was great. So that's, that's one redeeming thing. And, of course, he made the first two Avengers films, which I enjoyed as well, so... All, all, all in all, I can take or leave Joss Whedon depending on what you're doing. And what he did to Justice League, I couldn't take. No. Um, he yeah. he he tried to do a lot of what he did with Marvel and put it into DC. Yeah. In, in my eyes, that's what he yeah, did. Yeah, it, it was very Marvel. I mean, there's a definite tone shift. I mean, the trailers, if you look for the Justice League trailers, like, trailer one, it's like Snyder. It's dark, it's very blue yeah. and reds. And then the late trailers, it's like, oh, look, we've, we've changed a lot. Very much the same thing that happened to the Suicide Squad trailers as they went along. Yeah. Oh god. The, the, the first trailer looked really promising, and the further it went along, the more it seemed like, yeah, this is going to be one to avoid. Yeah. And then. I don't like it. And yeah, the Suicide Squad is very definitely the worst film in DCU. Easy. Even Easy. even though I'm I'm not a big fan of Batman v Superman, I can at least enjoy it in certain in in short doses. Well, yeah. Well, that 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 suffers from you know the studio intervention. I mean, yeah. theatrical cut is terrible. I went out to cinema and I was like. Oh, this is rubbish. Give me Civil War any day. But then Ultimate Edition comes out. I'm like, more of this stuff? Fine, I'll sit down for three hours. And it was gorgeous. I was like, oh man, this is actually really good. Like, so Clark Kent does actual reporting <laughs> so in this one. So it's, it's incredible. There was certain aspects that were improved by the Ultimate Edition, but I don't think it fixed its major flaws of the film. Um, certain plot moments, like Doomsday, looked terrible. The the whole doomsday yeah. turn was he was the abomination un, unnecessary I, I would say um, and the, of course there's the whole gotta save Martha thing which oh yeah um, irritates the hell out of me I don't know some days I can take that I'm like I I get it it's Batman reevaluating everything and obviously the death of his parents is so like he's ingrained in his head so much yeah. but you know sometimes I just start laughing and it's, it's even before that it's like Batman is about to kill Superman Batman Batman will oh, do yeah. that because no in that's theatrical, against his character yeah in the theatrical edition he just gets a bit pissed doesn't he and he's like oh, I just want to kill an alien but no in, in the ultimate edition it's it's a lot there's now I'm drawing a mind blank but it, it, Superman's ta- uh, um, Superman's reasons as well with the whole bat branding I mean you see the guy get bat branded but you don't see him get stabbed in the prison later on because of the background and stuff and, and Batman's been getting those letters from that guy who's who's uh, it actually turns out is Lex Luthor which Lex Luthor is the main villain of that I'm, I'd say because he's really good I kind of like the actor Jesse Jesse Eisenberg, Eisenberg yeah. Yeah. so he, he was he was good he was a fresh take on Lex Luthor he was a fresh take but the more I watch it the more he annoys me the because oh, <laughs> yeah. there the, there are certain aspects of the Luther character again it's got going back to things that are ingrained in characterizations mm. and the Lex Luthor we see in Batman v Superman is not a Lex Luthor that is that appears anywhere else yeah Superman returns uh, Kevin Spacey yeah I, I mean I think there's a throwaway line to the effect of that he's the son of the first Lex Luthor, or his dad was also uh, called yeah, Lex his, Luthor. Yeah, his dad was the, the Lex in front of the cop or something. Yeah, no, he's Lex in front of the cop, but his dad named uh, named him that just so yeah. old women would give him funds and stuff. So it's I mean, Dawn of Justice. I mean, even if you don't like the film, it sets up a massive world. Like it sets up Batman, Superman, Lex Luthor, all the sort of like 
the aesthetics. Metropolis vs Gotham um, football game is on on the TV and stuff. It, it just creates massive that, world to play. That in. was one of the things I d- I didn't like the most about it. Is I went into that film wanting Batman v Superman, not Dawn of Justice. That one, oh. and um, it seemed like they were trying. The film was over long for for my liking. The, oh, the the theatrical version. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. I, <laughs> I can I can take a film being long as long as it's got enough to f- to fill in the runtime. Yeah. But th- this felt like it was stretching its runtime, but was still it was still under evolved because there was all the stuff they were squeezing in Aquaman, Flash, and Wonder Woman. Well, not Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. uh, Cyborg. There was the, the little computer clips that he had. Yeah. And I didn't like that because it kind of felt to me like they were trying to catch up to what Marvel had established in multiple films in just one film. Well, and DC, it felt rushed yet still over long yeah DC have this trap where if they don't do all the films exactly like Marvel did they get accused of um, you know rushing it mm-hmm. to the to the Avengers sort of stage but if they do the if they had, had done the whole movie build up then it would just been like Marvel just copying Marvel so they can't really win they're either copying Marvel or the Russian but, but the thing is they don't need to be in competition with Marvel there is room in the world for both I think that's what they've done now with the solo stuff and, yeah, and the Joker like the Joker looks nothing like what you've seen exactly if DC just kind of try and exist in their own little world yeah. then then that that's where they're where they go right where they go wrong is when they're trying to catch up to Marvel and yeah. do the things that they've done like big team up films and building up to a up, up to a big big finale because that worked for Marvel because of the overseeing and the, the vision from the very beginning to get it to where it is now yeah I suppose so I kind of just like DC just doing their own little thing you know I, I don't like it. it Justice League I I enjoyed it it's still a good film I mean, you don't spend millions on a, on a really bad film that, where no you can it's called Suicide Squad but the, you don't always do it and I feel like Justice League was it was good we needed it we need Justice League to show us that we don't want the sort of Marvel aesthetic all the time Yeah. so we needed that film but there was some great scenes like when Flash is running behind Superman and he just does that head turn oh my god Wait, all my friends got chills in the cinema we was like yeah that's great but there, there, there were some good moments but overall I think it's just trash oh, I'm, I'm not going to say it's trash I would say it's, I'd say it was a I'd put it above Captain Marvel but I wouldn't put it that much higher. It's a. Uh, it definitely struggled through its change of hands. I think that was yeah. quite visible in that two different directors had two different visions for two completely different films, and splicing them together did them both no favors. Yeah. Um, I didn't think the 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 villain was up to scratch or what they were trying Stephen to, to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was. He was pretty cool. He was played by the guy who played Mephisto in Ghost Rider Spirit Avengers. Yeah, I could, I could have taken Steppenwolf if he was a build up to something bigger. Say dark side. Dark side. Yeah. Um, but that just doesn't seem to be the I, case. I did see a good fair, well, like sort of video by Comic Story again, which said the Justice League didn't need a good villain because it was about assembling the league rather than a good villain. If you'd have had Dark Side, he would have been wasted. Like if, if Thanos had appeared in Avengers uh, Assemble. It'd be like that's a waste. Oh yeah, so, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm he didn't really need a good they, villain. They, they needed to assemble the league, but they needed a reason to assemble the league. Well, the end of the world and stuff. Yeah, I think they could have done with maybe two villains, not Darkseid straight away. Yeah, but they, 
a secondary villain that they've done in this to flesh out yeah. the story, doesn't they? Starrer, big starfish, takes over people. I'd have had him as the villain. Yeah. Easy. I did. And I, I didn't like the CGI work on Stefan Wolf or the Parademons either. I preferred him in Justice League. I mean, not Justice League, Donald Justice. I mean, mm. when you see that little bit from Lex Luthor activating yeah. the tapes. Um, again, the vision changed between Zack Snyder and Justice yeah. League. The, the designs for both of them were very different. And it, it felt like Zack Snyder had a vision for where he wanted a second Justice League film to be, which we're probably yeah. not going to get anymore. It was supposed to be part one and part two. Yeah, like, it and, was. Yeah. And... I think that would have done it a lot of favours to be split into two parts to yeah. tell a bigger story in the same way that Marvel have done with Infinity War and Endgame. Oh, yeah. Had everything in the two films been squashed into one Avengers film, it wouldn't have been nearly as yeah. good. I mean, Marvel, they're, they're so successful they can they can do that. They can sort of say, oh, yeah, we've, we've killed everyone off. I mean, we can spoil that in Infinity War. But Mar- <laughs> Marvel, are, Marvel have kind of built such a reputation that they can also take risks in they can make risky films like the first Guardians of the Galaxy was a big risk for them because hardly anybody knew who the Guardians were in, in, in casual view, viewing mm. ship and that kind of took the world by storm and... sort of a risk but I mean you had all like really big stars and stuff lots of money the Marvel logo and James Gunn who I mean James Gunn did Scooby Doo so he made a team which were really cool I like the Scooby Doo films and then he did uh, what was he Super doing? yeah he did Super and stuff you, you give the guy a team he does it well and then he, he got Guardians of the Galaxy now he's got Suicide Squad so you know and Guardians 1 and 3 yeah he has oh my god I can't wait for that but um, the, if you think about it really you didn't have a lot of big stars for the first Guardians film you had Chris Pratt who was mostly a TV actor at that point Lego Movie so I knew him. Yeah, he was, he was in the Lego movie, but his so his his big movie fame didn't really take off until after Wait, Dark Guardians. Bradley Cooper, Vin Diesel, Dave Bautista. Dave again. I mean, Dave Bautista wasn't <laughs> a big star in the movie world when Guardians was released. He was a, a wrestler. He was, he was a, wrestler, a wrestler. So he was well known. Yeah, and, and Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel were big stars, but oh, they huge. weren't on screen as such. They were. I know voices Bradley Cooper from obviously he's, he's been in a lot of he's stuff, been in everything but, hasn't he yeah but A-Team mainly the A-Team was a good film I like that one um, of course he did Star is Born last year which was great didn't go and see it okay. um, Vin, Vin, Vin Diesel is probably one of my least favourite actors in Hollywood but I like him as Groot so I like him yeah. off <laughs> so Zoe Saldana as well as a horror and um, Star Trek oh my god so great I love Star Trek <laughs> yeah I, I like the Star Trek films I'm, I'm, I'm actually my next podcast is going to be about Star Wars so oh yeah well Star Wars is, is a very good topic to cover spoiler alert for my future listeners yeah next next one's actually going to be a Star Wars special released on May the 4th because of course it is I cannot wait to see that man uh, um, or hear it yeah <laughs> um, of course the trailer for that dropped but <laughs> this isn't really the podcast to be talked yeah, yeah. about that on so um, talk us through kind of Film by film, how you think the DCU developed and where it's going? Man of Steel. So I saw that as a when it, as soon as it came out. So I was still a kid, and gotta say I didn't like it very much. Yeah. It was so radically different. My my poor tiny pre chunking express mind was like, I can't take this. It's too different. And I don't like it. And so I never kind of watched it again. <laughs> There's a school of thought among some cinema viewers that it's different, therefore it's ruined. No, yeah, I, um, but I I was 
I was at 18 when it first came out and really enjoyed it when I first saw it. It's a film I like less as I see it more with a, with a lot of films. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there are more... I think it's now with the benefit of hindsight I can see what it's setting up in future films that turn out to be disappointing that it retroactively makes Man of Steel a bit worse. Yeah, because it, it... Man of Steel, I mean... It was good. It's not an Iron Man. I mean, Iron Man started the MCU, and that that's bloody incredible. And then yeah. you get Man of Steel starting the DC. I mean, I don't. Everybody says DC. Oh yeah, it's Man of Steel was the first one. I mean, did they actually plan it as the first one? Because I think Green Lantern was supposed to be. Then they cancelled that. Then they released Man of Steel, and they sort of went. Oh, yeah. the DC. In, in, in the same way that um, Ang Lee's Hulk was supposed to be the launch for the MCU. Oh yeah. So you know. Every, Every franchise has a false start, I think. I, I can't, no, not, not that Hulk film. The Incredible Hulk, though, in the MCU is actually the, the Marvel film I enjoyed the most. Yeah, not I... Not the best, but I enjoyed it the most. I, yeah. I enjoyed it at the time. I, I, I think they've since surpassed it many many other times. It, it captures the 70s TV series, which is the yeah. greatest TV series. And, uh, of course, it Absolutely. it hurts the film that it was Edward Norton's only appearance as the Hulk yeah. as well. Oh, Edward Norton was so good. I felt for that guy. I, I do prefer Matt Ruffalo, though, if I'm honest. What? Yeah. No, Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno are still the greatest <laughs> duo. Well, <laughs> Lou Ferrigno actually voices the Hulk. Yeah, he when, does. When he's in his Hulk But, form. I mean, he didn't in the 70s series. It was led from the Adam family mm. and some and someone else. I can't remember the name, though. But he, he doesn't motion capture it anymore. Matt Ruffalo does it himself now. Yeah. Is he, he actually should be recognised as the longest reigning comic book character because he, he motion captured the Hulk right up to the first Avengers film from the 70s yeah but he, to Avengers yeah the 70s series is like oh man it's so good best comic book series ever sorry Daredevil but it's true <laughs> <laughs> but there's kind of DC has always existed in its own films hasn't it because it's always had yeah. had the Superman films in the 80s then the yeah. Batman films, the first, well, the first two in particular, came along in the late eighties, early nineties, and it kind of stood on its own to a point where it didn't need a, a shared universe. Yeah. So when this came along, it seemed like a good idea on paper because obviously the Justice League is well established in comics, right. but when you brought all the aspects together, it kind of just fell apart. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say fall apart. I mean, it's just, it's just. Obviously, when you're attempting to try something, anyone trying to try something, you will have those sort of hiccups. Like, the Suicide Squad... I mean, Suicide Squad found a market. People liked it. I don't know why, but they did. So, that sort of worked. I liked Donna Justice, and you don't. So, that's, that found the market in me rather than someone like you. I, I wouldn't say I disliked Dawn of Justice. I just found it very flawed. I... I I, will, I like it kind of grudgingly in, in, in a yeah. weird way. There, there are parts of it I really like. I, I really like Batfleck in the in, oh, in yeah. Dawn of Justice. Um, the, the, when it's building up to Batman v Superman, I'm really into it. It's when it introduces the start of the Justice League that loses me and certain other story aspects. But I think by the time Justice League came around, Batfleck had so visibly checked out that it was it was ridiculous. Like yeah. he he looked like he wanted to be anywhere else but that movie set. Oof. Uh, in in all of his scenes. I don't know. I, just, I mean, he's playing a guy who's down on his luck. He's he kind of wants out because he's getting too old and stuff. Make Batman Beyond, uh, but he's he's out. He's trying to get out of it. So I suppose maybe that's because that's the character he's portraying is someone who wants to be out. No, I've. He looked like an actor that didn't want to be on screen. Like Haley Berry and Catwoman. Yeah. <laughs> the, 
there's, there's a certain point where you can see that an actor's not enjoying what they're doing, and, and that was one of the f- moments that I think I don't think. But and you can see in interviews that he was visibly wearying of this whole thing, like from from the very start when he started like doing press runs for Batman v Superman, and it you could just it was visibly weighing on him. By, especially by the time Justice League came out, he, he looked like he'd had enough of, of, of all of this. And I think a, a part of him is probably relieved that he's, he's not going to be in Matt Reeves as the Batman. I don't know, I'd have to ask him about that, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I haven't got the psychic powers to know yeah. if he wants help or not. So. I'm, I'm, I'm only gleaming what I can read by body language in certain interviews and oh, okay. stuff. But I am looking forward to Bat- Matt Reeves as the, the, the Batman, as it's called. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I hope they try something ambitious. It's supposed to be a more detective style Batman story. Yeah, like a noir film. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Of course, Batman is the world's greatest detective, so. Uh, Yeah. um, Yeah, We we still haven't had a detective based Superman film. Batman film, sorry. Uh, No. I mean, the games do a better job at the detective work, don't they? Originally, it was kind of the rumor was circulating it was going to be based a lot around Arkham Asylum. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think the the that might have been an idea at some early planning stage. I don't, when, I don't want them to do that. That would be ambitious. Yeah. Just repeat what was already good. I mean, that's what. I mean, Amazing Spider-Man was heavily influenced by the Nolan trilogy. They tried doing a Dark Spider-Man. It's like don't like you got to you got to try something new. Always try something new instead of just looking back on what was good. Dark Knight trilogy was good. Okay, we'll do that for Spider-Man. Oh, what was good? Oh, the Arkham Sound games. We'll make the Batman film like that. Well, I, I don't like how they how, how they try to make an obviously not dark hero suddenly dark and gritty. As I've mentioned mm. with Superman, it doesn't work really for Spider-Man either because Spider-Man's character is that of a high school kid who's out of his depth. Yeah. And by this point, you didn't really have the the motivation to be dead, dark and gritty. I mean, when you say when Gwen Stacy died, then yeah, fair oh, enough. Oh, that's heartbreaking. But um, but when it started off in Amazing Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield one, he didn't really have a reason to be this dark, gritty, broody hero. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it sounds like I'm negative towards it. Amazing Spider-Man was like one of my favourite films for ages, even when the MCU was still going and that. Mm. So, I mean, it's weird with the Spider-Man films because all of them were good. Like, Tobey Maguire was obviously when I was a kid, so I wanted to be Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. And the houses are all, like, crap holes he lives in and stuff, which, it, like, Tony Stark's got apartments and stuff, but he's just got this little box room where the door keeps on sticking and stuff. So I love that aesthetic. Sam Raimi's obviously brilliant. Um, I even like Spider-Man 3. I mean, Sorry again. I mean, this, the statement that all Spider-Man films are good needs to be uh, qualified slightly, because um, we have got the small issue of Spider-Man 3, and I Amazing Spider-Man one. 2 which which one was worse oh, <laughs> flip a coin this is the one where me and my friends will have to get in a wrestling ring or something because I love Amazing Spider-Man 2 way too much like that film is brilliant and I, why am I defending Marvel now wait but it, yeah Amazing Spider-Man 2 is brilliant and Amazing, uh, Spider-Man 3 was one of the ones where my brother when he was growing up he'd watch it over and over again like every week every day we'd watch that film and so I know that film inside and out and I love it I think um, as much as um, my fellow 90s kids might want to string me up for this statement, uh, Tom Holland is my favourite Spider-Man. I think for um, for for capturing the essence of what Spider-Man was in the comics and what he's been established to be for many years, 
Tom Holland has, has um, established that better than Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield did. I don't know. I mean, Andrew Garfield, a lot of people are like, oh, no, he's too cool. I'm like, it doesn't matter. He, he, just because you're in there doesn't mean you have to wear the glasses, the ball cut, going to the school going, hey, I like uh, science. No, I mean, I, was, I, I used to read, like, 2018 and stuff at school and that, but you don't see me wearing, like, a glasses and a ball cut. I mean, I, I'm not dissing people with glasses, good sir. But, I mean, like, the, the circle, like, you know, like, the stereotypes are, like, broken in the Indiana Jones Nazi glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah, he, he just captured on aesthetics. So, and also, he wears the same clothes as Tom Holland. There was a good picture of him with his jacket and stuff. And it's, like, pretty much the same as Tom Holland. So, the whole, he's too cool argument really do not work very well for mm-hmm. me. But, I liked all of them. They've all got a different sort of, like, Tom McGuire's loving and stuff, and he's, He's really like, you feel for him. Andrew Garfield, he's sort of like the guy you want to be, you know. And Tom Holland is like, he's he's a nerdy school kid who, you know, can't, get, can't keep a girlfriend because he's got stuff going on and stuff like that. So you like really connect with him. He's cool. They all, they all bring different things to the character. Yeah, that's why it's really difficult to say one's bad. But I, I wouldn't say either of them were bad at be, any of them were bad at being mm. Spider-Man. It's just some of them had... Films that didn't give them particular A grade material to be Spider Man. Yeah, I mean, um, and I, I have my problems with Spider Man Homecoming, but yeah. it's still a, a, a quite entertaining film. Did you ever see the 70s Spider Man? Like Spider Man Strikes Black and stuff? No, like, I haven't. Like Nicholas Havand in it. No. Oh, wait, that, those are quite good. They're really cheesy, but yeah, they have flaws, but they're, they're quite good as well to see them. As I, I, I don't think the MCU is a, some perfect franchise it's kind of the, the second coming of Christ in film form <laughs> and I would happily admit that it has films and it has some absolutely terrible it had some flaws and it's got terrible for films in it Iron like, Man 3 Iron Man 2 and 3 oh I like 2 and um, <laughs> the second 4 is practically a sleeping aid Ooh. it's so dull I hate Ragnarok you didn't like Ragnarok I, I feel like I'm trying to be hipster on this I'm, honestly I'm not It's I didn't like Ragnarok I mean Obviously, I was a DC kid by then, so I was like, I can take a couple of minutes of seriousness throughout a joke. Like, I'm I'm not an idiot at this point, but like, <clears throat> every two seconds there was a joke. I didn't really like that, um, but at least it was ambitious. It was a completely fresh take on four. Like, yeah. it's nothing like the other two. That's what what I liked about it. Kind of showed what could have been done with the character, but the, I, I didn't in particular like the first four film. In retrospect, the. Yeah. The first, the first phase of the MCU is probably the worst. Even though it's establishing everything, I, I find Captain America: The First Avenger and Thor to be very dull, Ooh. even though they're quite workable films. the The First Avengers is very good. Iron Man is oh, very yeah. good. Um, and then Phase Two comes around, and there's a certain cut-off point at Phase Two where every every film that follows it is either good or great. Yeah. Because in Phase Two you've got you know Guardians of the Galaxy, oh, Captain yeah. America: The Winter Soldier, Definitely. Guardians Volume Two. Oh no, that's Phase Three, isn't it? Yeah, that's but, yeah, it's Phase Three. And you've got Ant Man: Age of Ultron. Yeah. Know? Oh man, there, there was a point where it found its stride in the end. It found it found the winning formula, and I think that's when all the films started. They were good, and then after a while I was like, no, this is the same. Like after a while I got a bit dull with it, but. No, they found what's, what what works. So I don't blame them for just. But the uh, the ambition that was on showing building up to Infinity War and then and then coming to Infinity War and utterly and completely hitting it out of the park in ways we couldn't have 
possibly imagined. You know, they 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 took us on a, a ten year story that was almost impossible to pay off, and they paid it off. Um, I don't know, Infinity War. This kind of makes off right flat, but I I just was annoyed that the defenders weren't in it. Like, it, I mean, oh, from the from the Netflix yeah, series. all this stuff happens, and I, my theory is that the rolling jersey is getting drunk. Jessica Jones and all that are just flat out drunk, and they're like aliens, not today. Uh, I think it was um, Kevin Kevin Feige, the producer, said that um, the they hadn't they never had any plans to put the Netflix yeah. TV series into the movie, even though they kind of tangentially cross paths. I think of events from the TV series, yeah, events in do. the films are shown in the TV series. Yeah, Ben Urich um, yeah. reports on the Harlem. Their their tones and styles are so completely different. It'd be yeah. it'd be such a ambitious incongruity of styles to yeah. put Daredevil into the Avengers. Yeah, but I mean he's one of the top players. Like especially in the nineties, Punisher and Daredevil are up there with Spider Man. Mm-hmm. So, but I would I would kill for a Spider Man Daredevil, maybe even Deadpool team up. Put them three together. Well, now the Fox Majors finally taking place. Yeah. And have Deadpool, and now. I quite like the the idea the internet's been kicking around to have Deadpool do Stanley's cameos now. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. like he does in Lego Marvel superheroes. Yeah, oh, wait, no, because yeah. <laughs> now we can't have Stanley. We can, but we can have Deadpool. We can have Deadpool just riffing. Just yeah, Luis and Deadpool need to get together. That would be great, <laughs> Luis. Um, and and then then there's the kind of films that are now middle of the road adverts for the next one. Like I, I wasn't all that keen on Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, I, I, I kind of found that to be kind of middling. It was entertaining while it was on, but forgettable when it had gone. That that suffers from what well, I'm just going to define as like the crowns of Grindelwald thing, where it's so fucking dull because you yeah. just it's just trying to set something up. It's it. I mean, crowns of Grindelwald's world changes complete pace on like you know the lovely Harry Potter films where I wanted to be Harry Potter and he was mm. cool and he was light and fluffy, and then suddenly it gets really bloody dark. Yeah. <laughs> it's like whoa, I'm sorry, I'm not, I don't enjoy this anymore. So it. it uh, Ant Man and the Wasp had the un- unenviable job of both following Infinity War. Oh yeah. And starting the build up to End End Game, you know. Oh, so yeah. it was in an unenviable position, and did certain things right. Like I, I really like the post credit scene that yeah that's the lead on from Infinity War, which they kind of ruined in the End Game trailer. To be honest, pretty pretty much yeah they they, they ruined that but. I think no, I think that's more of a marketing thing. Like, so is he alive? Then you see him in first one. It's like he is alive, and now you go. You, oh no, the end game trailer. Then you're waiting for end game now to see what he does. It's sort of a little giving you a little breadcrumb trail up to the yeah. uh, end game. The, but I also like how they're building up to end game by giving as little away as possible. Yeah, I, I think a film like that sells itself by simply existing. You know it. It sells itself because it's the lead up of many, many years of storytelling. It's coming off one of the most financially successful films of all time. It's the follow up to a film that made billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. And it it didn't need the trailers to sell it. It was already sold. It was so pretty yeah, yeah. much everybody was sold on it months before it was released. I so. mean, I don't know anyone who's not going to see that film. No. <laughs> and I have tickets to the double bill, the Infinity War and Endgame that I'm going to watch back back to back at oh, midnight. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a, well, it's kind of like uh, I think it's 330 minutes or like five hours. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, because Infinity War's two and a half hours and Endgame's three hours. So yeah, but still worth it. <laughs> it's it's worth. You see, I'm I'm glad they kept it three hours because 
I don't want it to fall down justice. Yeah, They've yeah. just been cut so much that I don't. The, like the thing about three-hour films is we've lost it so much now because there isn't uh, the attention spans have obviously gone down in audiences. Mm. But if you have enough material to fill three hours, and there is no problem with it being three hours. Yeah, well, they do. They do feel like big episodes of a very expensive series. So yeah. three hours is kind of like it's like a season. Because so, all, all of the, the films, they're like episode one of this, episode two, here's more characters. Then we put them together for like the season finale. Mm. So they feel like episodes. So three hours is like a series. I kind of like that sort of structure. You get more character depth. Because if you go back to the Lord of the Rings films, those are those are three hours for the vanilla editions. Then never yeah. mind the extended editions, they're like five hours each. Yeah. The, the Godfather trilogy, which I consider to be one of, to be the greatest trilogy of all time, the, the first two films of those are both over for three hours long and there's a reason that they're over three hours long because they have enough things to use three hours with yeah and I, I, I think as a lot of older films tend to be longer because attention spans are generally longer in, in, the, in the past so this is going to seem really strange to get people with modern attention spans to sit for three hours but I think if it's going to be any series then it's this series that will keep people enthralled for three hours yeah well, yeah, they they built it up over so many years now. You can just say three hours, I'll be in. It's fine. Mm. You, you don't need to like sell it anymore. I mean, this this is the the finale of eleven years of storytelling. I mean, yeah. w- would you want your eleven year odyssey to end on a hour and a half film? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just Thanos cooking on his little yeah. planet away from home. Just like one battle and the Avengers win really easily. Yeah, just, that's not all we want. We just, want a big epic film to finish off the jet journey. Yeah, it'll probably be like Infinity War, just one big fight scene which keeps going on. So. But then after that, the MCU have the the task of kind of following Endgame. Because we, oh. we know the MCU is continuing because there's a Spider-Man film out in a few, few months. Yeah, I, well, you know, the only bigger thing, they, they have to do something bigger than Thanos. And, I mean, Galactus, no, nah, it should be in a Fantastic Four film. You know what they should do? And this would never happen. But why don't you do DC and Marvel together? And <laughs> Just do that. <laughs> probably because of they both belong to two DC different... DC and Warner Brothers aren't going to play ball. They're, they're going to keep their action figures separate. The, um, I think the best thing Marvel could do is not try and top it. Just keep making separate films. Keep yeah. like DC are doing now. Just keep making films with one character. Make good films with one character. Do something different every yeah. other film. Well, and don't try and top what you've already done because you've. If Endgame goes the way it does, and I'm imagining it's going to, I think it's going to be the highest grossing film of all time. By the yeah. by the time it finishes, I mean Avatar is a pretty high benchmark. It's nearly three billion dollars. Yeah, I don't know what made that. So um, and Star Wars is Force Awakens is just behind it. So, um, but if any film is going to break it, it's either this or the last Star Wars film. Um, definitely in this film. No, I'd say probably in this film. Especially since um, it's already. I think I read that it's already made its budget back in pre-sale tickets alone. Yeah, or something along those lines. It's it's trebled Infinity War's pre-sale tickets. Really? Yeah, which, which is amazing on its own because I can remember Infinity War tickets being booked, you know, weeks in advance. Yeah. So, Endgame beating that is incredible. I can remember the the hype for the Force Awakens as well and how people were to get tickets for that on that yeah. day. So, just to acknowledge that this has made so much money without even being released 
is is a sign that it's going to make ungodly amounts of money. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Because it's probably going to be a film that people see twice or three times in cinema as well. Oh yeah, we're going to go back to it. Oh yeah, I saw it like Civil War twice in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, there's so much in these films nowadays. I mean, they're three years worth of work of some of these, so mm. you've got to see them again and just notice all the bits you didn't see before, like. The uh, guys got to have those things from Sliver, the James Gunn mm-hmm. film, in one of the tanks, which I announced on the second view. Yeah, because the the recent films that you you can't wait for a Blu-ray release, you want to go oh, yeah. and see it again. It's and, gonna be Blu-ray, and, and that's and that's what a studio wants. They want to make a film that you will go see twice in the cinema. Mm-hmm. That's why they'll fill it with so many Easter eggs to say, "Come watch yeah. it again and see if you can find any more." Yeah, oh, I, I could, yeah, I can't wait for these films. I know we, we can we can discuss some work and say oh this ain't good this this is you know not going to be good this is going to be great but I, you know I'll see all of them <laughs> I'll just be like Suicide Squad fine <laughs> well I I haven't really got an excuse because I've got an unlimited card to Cineworld so, so I can see films for, for for free essentially <laughs> yeah which is why I go to it for three times a week because I haven't got an excuse not to you can see Hellboy again <laughs> god um, but but the only thing with that is once I've seen everything and Releases get a bit thin on the ground around June time, yeah. and then I, I go a few weeks when I can either go and see a film again that I've already seen that I might not want to see again, mm-hmm. or not go. And yeah. after a while, I'm not using it. It kind of feels like I'm wasting the the opportunity with it. Yeah, well, that's some fast world problems, right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Isn't it? laughs> yeah, but. Uh, I think the the one drawback of Infinity War, the the, the ending, which I thought was brilliant, yeah, um, is they shouldn't have announced any film that was coming out after Endgame until after Endgame had been out. Like if if, oh, if yeah. you're planning a Star Wars film and a Guardians of the Galaxy film, don't announce it before Spider Man and the Guardians of the Galaxy are killed off. I mean, I can't know that they're coming back. Because well, you, obviously we know they're you're coming making back money, now. so you're not going to stop. Yeah, well, obviously we know they're coming back now, but it's how many of them will come back. Because yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't want a film that has a cheap reset and everyone comes back to life ma- yeah. magically. I, I want death to mean something in the universe. Yeah, like in like in the comics, Doctor Strange, he rethinks the world. Like it all yeah. gets destroyed by the man. Where he's like, okay, this is kind of how it is, and he recreates it. I thought that would be cool, but they killed him off. So, I, I mean, they could all be trapped within one of the stones of Infinity. Infinity yeah, gone. Yeah, that would be cool. The but I don't want everyone to. I don't want it to be a completely fatality-free film. Like I, I've got a feeling that either Iron Man or Cap or both will will die because it's, it's, because this is that the last film. Killing off Iron Man. Yeah. I mean Robert Downey. Yeah. The I mean, guy's he, blood is liquid charisma. He he's really. not coming back for another MCU film. So. Yeah. And Captain America's great. He's, he's still my favourite. But you, you could always bring Bucky back and have him as Captain America. Well, it's the, the series, isn't it? Now Falcon and uh, Falcon and Wind Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. So that's probably that might deal with who's going to. So it. so the, there's two more that we know are going to come back, and and, yeah. and there's Wonder and the Vision as well. So yeah. we know they're coming Especially back as well. So keys into what I said about them being like series. Well, they are now. <laughs> <laughs> but all all this is coming about because because of Disney, isn't it? And oh yeah. They're, it's no doubt that they they've made a lot of money since the Disney acquisition, but the the groundwork was already laid before Disney bought them. Oh yeah. So the the first Disney distributed MCU films, the first Avengers, and that feels like that feels like decades ago now. Yeah, that was revolutionary though. That changed yeah. so much. I mean, that was the first time we kind of saw that superhero team up kind of thing in the cinema, yeah. wasn't it? 
and first time we'd had such long form storytelling in cinema where one story carries over tens of films yeah but it also introduces characters so you didn't have to see the other films so even casual viewers could just rock up go I haven't seen the other films but this film's good yeah and I, I think a, a film like that needs that quality of you can't you can't make it like the new series of Game of Thrones where you have to have seen everything before season 8 you, you can't mm. just want to watch the last season you need to when it's a film because yeah. films are something you invest in at one time and not over weeks mm. you, you need to make it to be something that can be easily grabbed by the casual viewer and the long time viewer yeah which is something the first Avengers did Age of Ultron did it's kind of telling its own confined story I think Infinity War did it in some ways there were bits that were contained to other films but yeah in theory you could have gone into that without seeing any other MCU film and still enjoyed it yeah uh, yeah I suppose so Infinity War though it had such a hype and a buzz that people were definitely going to rewatch. like the other films. I know me and my friends went and rewatched yeah. all the films because they were good I tried to rewatch the MCU then you got to uh, Iron Man 3 and Game <laughs> <laughs> well I, I didn't even get that far I think I, oh, right. to, I think I got to Thor and nearly fell asleep and thought this <laughs> this is not as good as I remember it being <laughs> yeah no I, I can't I, the first Thor film I remember making my own money or jumping around the garden and stuff ten before me it, it, it captures it's there's that thing in there where you have to view it when, when I'm critiquing something that kids love it like my, my, my younger brother will love any Marvel film and Batman and Robin as well because like off but it hit the audience of the child market so yeah. like a cynical like 20 uh, somethings like us can go that's bad cynical old men yeah <laughs> we're basically the guys from the Muppets at yeah. this point we're like Ebert and Siskel in the, in yeah. the 2010s yeah yeah um, but you say that that perpetuates a dangerous stereotype that kids will enjoy anything which yeah that's not true I, d- I don't think they will I, I think there is no reason to not make intelligent films for children because they, they will like look at all Pixar's work it's not just dumb oh animation God, it, yeah, it's so in, good kids love it and it's smart storytelling that yeah, yeah. an adult can enjoy as well you the superheroes attract children because they're kind of bright and exciting and they're the kind of yeah. films that kids want to watch they're the ones you want to be you but want to be superheroes but that's like it's like uh, Mark Kermode a critic that I really like oh yeah he's great um, he, he said um, if a blockbuster is going to make money anyway why shouldn't it be good because if, if you're going to make money anyway then what excuse have you got to make a bad film with all all, yeah. all the money you have be, be behind you yeah, you, yeah. you should be challenging yourself to make a big film that is also good and also I mean like with comic book films in general mm. you've got a stack of lore written by people like John Byrne and mm. Stan Lee and stuff which you can draw upon so you, you can't really make a bad film when you've got so much you like, have, inspiration you have literally 80 plus years worth yeah. of, 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 <laughs> of storytelling and material that you could put think of all the great coin books that exist throughout history that haven't yet been adapted think of all the great Batman stories that haven't yet been yeah. adapted just on, on their own I can think of like The Long Halloween yeah. uh, Dark Victory that came out after it mm-hmm. um, Nightfall Dark, Dark Knight Returns which they tried with Batman v Superman but didn't quite get, yeah. get there uh, Year One which is a bit more like a bit like Batman but yeah, that's begins. a lot like Batman begins, yeah. but, but yeah they, they need to make adapt some more I mean and 2008, Duncan Jones is doing a Rogue Trooper film now, so... Duncan, then, that's David Bowie's son, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Wait, is it? He did yeah, Warcraft, I can't remember. Is it, so. He also did Moon, 
Yeah, he did that. Yeah, he did that. Yeah, yeah, that's so, David Bowie's son, then. So yeah. he, he they, they tried stuff, and there's so much like Sinister Dexter and stuff. I'd love an adaptation there's, of that. There so. is like hundreds of thousands of comic books yet to be explored yeah. that makes me feel like we, we've still got tens if not hundreds of years of comic book movies yeah. to look forward to someone wants to attempt the, mouse or something like that yeah guess. there's 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 no end to the the amount you could produce yeah. the not all of it is going to be good because not not all of everything is ever good Suicide Squad. yeah i mean with repetition comes familiarity and familiarity breeds contempt the MCU in general. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Again, the, the MCU has to be really careful to to not produce films mm. that are too similar to turn the audience off because it it only takes two or three bad films to completely turn people off your franchise. I mean, look at mm. look at the hype for Star Wars going into the Force Awakens, and look at what Last Jedi and Solo have done to that fan oh, base. I love Solo. I love The Last Jedi. Absolutely love right, The Last well, Jedi. Yeah. We've got a rare breed here, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. <laughs> I, I liked Solo. Yeah. I, I thought it was fun. It's not something I'll rewatch over and over again, and I love the Star Wars fr- franchise. Yeah. But what that kind of two questionable films that certain people didn't like has done to the level of hype. Sure, the level of hype for Rise of Skywalker is currently an all-time high. But that can change yeah. by the time December comes around, and that's the same for the MCU. The MCU only needs two stinkers between now and twenty fifth, twenty thirteen. The whole franchise is dead. Yeah, they they need to need to do something new. I I would su- heavily suggest um, to bring back to some image there the She Hulk run where she broke the fourth wall miles before Deadpool and the John Byrne stuff. If you could adapt that into a good film. No, give me the film Marvel. Give me that one. <laughs> I'll make it good. And but yeah, that would be great. But there's also the discussion that the Fox sales brought with it. There's because uh, now the X Men and the Fantastic Four and, and um, Deadpool and, and now oh, yeah. Disney property. This opens more opportunity to bring the X Men in, even though Kevin Feige said it won't be for many, many years, which I think is a good thing. Because yeah. yeah, I all these mutants turned up I'm, suddenly. So I'm, <laughs> I must be one of the only people who really doesn't want. X-Men in my Avengers. I don't um, like X-Men that much. Because um, think of how people fighting for screen time now. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Without adding in the X-Men and the Fantastic Four into the mix. Yeah. You know, there is, it is possible for something to be too big, which is what your mother said to me last night. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I'd be trying to be nice with you, boy. <laughs> No, but it is possible for a film to be too big. It's yeah. possible to have too big a cast. Yeah. And I think if you're going to use the X-Men, give them their own little contained universe. Yeah. Or, I, or just don't use them for years. Although, if they say the end game, right at the end, you suddenly see like the X-Men in the mansion and Knight's theme starts playing, I'll be down with that. <laughs> um, and I'm really not looking forward to when they recast Wolverine. And, no. And... Um, who you Jackman spent nearly 20 years as Wolverine it's going to be so difficult to see it's, someone else take that role it's a Robert Downey sort of situation, situation isn't it where you're like that guy is the character he's yeah. no longer a differentiator well not only it's even worse with Robert Downey because he is the franchise he's the the, the, the way it's going they're, they're replacing him with either Brie Larson or Benedict Cumberbatch they're going to be like the, the leading actor of this franchise after Robert Downey leaves 
But you've also got to think that Robert Downey Jr. is now 53, 54. That's no excuse. (laughs) He he can't do it forever. There there has to be a point where he says no more. And what better time to say goodbye than perhaps the biggest film in history? Um, Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. I am done with him yet. I want more Iron Man. (laughs) Marvel fans are always going to want more Iron Man. But we just, he can't keep doing it. Yeah, you're gonna bleed it dry after a while. Yeah, like they already bled it dry with Iron Man three. That, yes. that that was a slug enough, you know. Yeah. He he's he's worked when he's been used in other properties more than his own films in the last two. Years. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, has. Yeah. Although I re- I didn't really like him in Homecoming because I really? I wanted to see a Spider Man film, not an Iron Man film. He was oddly in it, <laughs> and he was a dick. He's an alcoholic who's, who's just off the chain. No, not to mention that, like, all the times Tony was a dick to Spider Man, I just wanted Spider Man to punch him in the face. And what's more, Tony Stark could have done dick about it because Spider Man could have just kicked his ass all over New York. Yeah, Tony Stark's got a Hulkbuster, which I'm pretty sure he can remote control. <laughs> Spider Man didn't win in that one. <laughs> it looked like the Rhino at the end of Miz's Spider Man 2, wasn't it? <laughs> um. Again, there was uh, so much to be done with Iron Man, but do you replace Iron Man? Do you do you let, leave they him on ice for a few years? Yeah, but they all, also replaced Thor. Could we have a could Jane take over as Thor? Yeah, yeah. And there's a cyborg Ragnarok as well. So they replaced him a few times. Frog Thor. I had a Frog Thor in that. I just really want to see Korg in Endgame. Korg is yeah. Korg Korg, oh, Korg was a, a yeah. just a, a touch of genius from. He Ta- is Ta- Ta- Although I think he was uh, I, I, Obviously I watched a bit of that Big Les show on YouTube And he reminded me of this, um, Sassy the Sasquatch From mm. that So I just I felt It's a bit like uh, Newt Scar- um, Scarmander Whatever his name yeah. is Yeah He felt like a Matt Smith tribute act This felt like a tribute act To the Big Les show The um, I was really relieved When um, The Russo brothers said That Korg wasn't killed At the start of Infinity War Oh yeah So he, he's, he's off somewhere <laughs> probably printing pamphlets for a revolution against Thanos yeah oh my god I would love that if it's like everything's gone the world's ending Wakanda's army is destroyed and suddenly Korg turns up with a load of aliens and he just <laughs> runs that Thanos he just started a revolution yeah <laughs> hey um, I'm Korg this is Meek <laughs> oh no Meek's dead <laughs> yeah <laughs> just throws Meek at Thanos <laughs> um, but I think if we're going to underline this discussion with anything it's that Superhero movies aren't going anywhere anytime soon. They're going to no. be here for years. Well, no, as long as an audience keeps like going, yeah, sure, it's the superhero film, I'll watch that. But, that the, but I think the message I want to send is um, to not not kind of segregate yourself into Marvel and DC. There, there is room in this world for both. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they're two for completely me. different breeds. Because for, for me, special. as I've always... Like I've got a friend who's a big DC fan, like, like yourself, and and he yeah. always accuses me of being automatically against DC. To to which I say, like, um, I want as many good superhero films as I can have, like, yeah. if all the time. And I don't automatically hate DC because I like Matt Marvel. Hell, I I like more DCs than I, films that I dislike. Yeah. The, in fact, I. I like a hell of a lot more Marvel films than I dislike. I'm sorry, I dislike more Marvel films than DC films I, I dislike. Yeah, but that's probably true. because there is more Marvel films to dislike. There, yeah, there is so much at this point. Yeah. So, so the, the, there really is no need for this kind of forced DC or Marvel Pepsi Coke rivalry. 
Yeah. They, they can coexist, they can share the same Pepsi's space. way better. Pepsi is way yeah. better, as you could probably tell. Either. Oh, wow, that's cool yeah. tattoo. <laughs> yeah. um, for, for for this is obviously this is a radio show. I, I have a Pepsi logo tattooed on my arm. Yeah, I, I've realised I've been nodding a lot through this. <laughs> yeah. so. the, the thing you don't realise when you're podcasting is how much physically you like I talk with my hands a lot and there's no point yeah, yeah. you can just hear it and my hands flop around like a like a head pigeon so if you were to say a positive thing about the MCU what would it be damn <laughs> what it oh um oh you bloody hell <laughs> I, I don't know I they're always they're, I mean they're consistent so if my friend says do you want to go and see a Marvel film? I'm like, hell yeah, I want to see a Marvel film because I know it's going to be good. I mean, I don't know if it's going to... Actually, no, I take that back. I didn't really like Captain Marvel that much. But it, 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 they have a sort of quality control, if that makes sense, of that. If I go into it, I expect something good. I'm never going to catch a man also of the room <laughs> coming out of Marvel. So they, there's a quality control. I can, I can safely say, hey, friends, do you want to go and see a, a Marvel film? And they'll be like, yeah, because it's great. Yeah. And if I would say something positive about DC, it was that, you know, even when it didn't particularly work, at least they were trying to do something different, yeah. tone, tone wise. Not that they were flogging it like a dead horse. No, <laughs> the, uh, I think the proximity to the Dark Knight trilogy did the series no favours, mm. obviously, because the DCEU, which if you buy into the fact that it started with Man of Steel it only started a year after the Dark Knight trilogy ended yeah. which d- does it no favours in proximity but now that they're kind of starting to find their feet they're becoming kind of as cons- give it a few more films and I could say that they'd be as consistent as Marvel if the next few films are as good as the last two yeah. um, and maybe Marvel has a kind of cookie cutter quality to certain films yeah. But as you say, when it's a Marvel film, there's a certain um, stamp of quality that comes yeah. with that. You're at least going to get cheese in your sandwich when you eat it. Yeah, and I think that's the film. That's the thing with Disney as a whole, to be honest. Like yeah. every, most Disney films that aren't straight to, the, to DVD, you're at least going to get something from them. This is certain. Yeah. This is a certain assurance of quality. Yeah, definitely. Especially from. There's certain corners of Disney, like Pixar and things like that. Pixar, they're just gold. Yeah, I watch anything they do. There, there are certain studios, certain people, which is a stamp of, you know, at least this is going to be watchable. You know. Oh yeah. It's not. It's going to be not going to be below okay. Mm. You know, D- Disney always produce relatively good stuff, even excellent, up to excellent stuff. Yeah. In fact, they've made some of the greatest. Not only the greatest animated films, but some of the greatest films of all time. I like Tangled and Moana. <laughs> I like Moana. Yeah, Moana, Moana was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think if you're going to take a lesson away from this, it's um, there is enough room for as much quality cinema as you could ever want in this yeah. world. We're we're so spoiled for choice, we don't even realise that we're spoiled. Oh yeah. Like. I go online and complain about how Hellboy sucked, but you know, at least we're in an opportunity. We're in a world where there's an opportunity for that film to be made, especially with Netflix and all the streaming places. It's never been a more fruitful time for filmmaking than it is now, because yeah. there are opportunities everywhere to make a film that people won't want to see, whether that be superhero or not, and especially superhero films, because superhero films almost unanimously make a profit. Which 
is good yeah. news to any executive. Yeah, I mean, Justice League broke even, even though no one seemed to like it. Yeah, Every, everything either breaks even or makes a profit. And if you're a Marvel film, you make an incredible pro- profit. Yeah. Like, even Captain Marvel broke a billion dollars. That's yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> maybe it's some because, precedent. Maybe it's because everybody wants to be a reviewer nowadays. Oh, wow, I just dissed both of us. Um, yeah. yeah, everyone Thanks wants to review. Mind. Sorry, everyone wants to be a reviewer and a critique and stuff because it's easy work. But you could just sit here spewing any old shag. But the, the thing is, is that because of that, people keep on going so they have an opinion, so they can be in with the crowd, so they can go. I've seen Captain Marvel too, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, distinctly average. The thing I. The thing I most like about being a critic is conversation about a film. I think that's yeah. that's why I like being a critic is because I like to talk about films, and that's why yeah. I write about films because I think they're worth talking about and worth worth protecting. Um, but it also breeds a kind of contempt of kind of I don't know arrogance, pretentiousness that comes of being being a critic. Yeah, which um, is a an accusation that's thrown at me quite regularly especially by my other half that I'm a film snob which um, uh. which <laughs> you know I, I can't agree with because if I was a film snob then I would you know shun everything that was made by big studios and only go watch our house films <laughs> yeah when I when I simply don't I, I, I enjoy cinema I, I enjoy being at a cinema I, mean, I probably even enjoy it when I don't enjoy a film yeah I mean um, when I walk in here and I say I like DC you don't go shut up Mike you tit you know nothing yeah. you're like okay let, let's have let's have it out well, <laughs> let's talk about why you like DC and why you're wrong yeah <laughs> That, that's essentially nine tenths of being a critic is explaining why you're right and everyone else is wrong. I don't know. People disagree <laughs> with me. I don't care. I know I'm right. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, because I have no like inclination to say that I'm right about everything. I'm just some twerp with a with a blog. You know, I'm, yeah. my opinion means nothing. Even if I say a film shit, it's going to make its money back. So you know, twerp. How old are you? <laughs> uh, 20, 20 something I can't, I can't. You're, you're a young 20 something who rags on films wait a I'm minute not, I'm not really that young anymore to be honest I'm, yeah, your bus pass? I'm, in, I'm in my mid 20s now which is uh, which is scary oh right yeah but even like say mid 20s I can feel certain listeners roll their eyes at that kind of oh you think you're old because you're in your mid 20s you know oh yeah so people are going to be going what is he on about but the, the, there are certain films that make me feel really old like the fact Toy Story 2 is now 20 years old makes me feel ancient because I, I had it on VHS mm. as a kid VHS there's a blast VHS. from the past kids that's the you know you could start it just go you know yeah. you could skip through all yeah. them out I had to rewind it after every watch oh yeah, yeah. big hand rewind oh, so old man <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's basically the meat of our, of our discussion um, Marvel rules DC drools like, I'm, I'm joking oh whoa wait um, a minute <laughs> I'm joking of course start again <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's merits to everything and there's a conversation to be had about every film no matter how bad yeah I, I think is my mantra and just the fact that I can invite people here to talk and talk about some superhero films and hopefully people listen dude I've enjoyed this immensely this <laughs> It, it's almost like a therapy session, isn't it? You're, yeah, I'm a, I'm a damaged soul. I like DC. <laughs> you're getting all of your frustrations up off your chest. Yeah. Why in 2008 got a cinematic universe yet? It's okay, Mike. It'll come soon. I think it's because it it's, uh, it's not as well established and it doesn't have a big movie studio behind what? it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Not as well. I thought you meant the comics in that world. No, no, like no. 50 years of... <laughs> yeah. You know. 
They, but even before Disney came along, like the MCU was started by Universal, so it still had a big studio behind it. Mm. Whereas 2018 doesn't have that, and doesn't perhaps doesn't have the name recognition, which is sad. Yeah, especially not in America. Yeah, I mean here you can mention Judge Dredd. He's like he's been on stamps and stuff. He's an icon, but in America, I don't know. I don't want to be racist and just say all oh, Americans don't know this stuff. You don't you don't know what the good stuff is. <laughs> When most of the good stuff comes from America, in, in, especially, oh, especially that's in another film cycles, argument, isn't it? <laughs> Fight. So, but not to say that great cinema doesn't come from everywhere. But all all the stuff we've discussed today, superhero films, all that comes from America. So yeah, you know. So I think that's um, the end of our discussion. So, uh, big thanks to my guest, Mike Donaldson Jr. Yeah, what a genius! <laughs> <laughs> what a uh, and a modest genius as well. I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't say I'm like the best all the time, you know. <laughs> Have you got anything to plug for us? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I recently took part in that 48-hour sci-fi film challenge where mm-hmm. I'm still recovering from the cold of standing in a field. So if you want to check that out on YouTube, uh, my channel's Repeated Meme, but you can search for it. It's called Duty Bound, mm. and it'll be there. <laughs> and then yep. you could say how crap it is. I, I will be watching that and hopefully posting a critique for Mike's podcast. Oh, I'm actually looking forward to that. Like, you can be as harsh as you want. I don't mind. It's experimental and, you know. And um, I'm, obviously my writing can be found in the same place, mrpinatedweb.com. Um, all of my first two years of film criticism will be coming out in a Kindle ebook sometime in the summer. I'm going to be... Wow. It's my big announcement for today, yeah. Really? Um, yeah. You I'm, announced it with me here. Yeah. I feel honoured. I'm, um, I'm self-publishing a book of my, my reviews. Really? I'm, I'm Dude, that's awesome. With um, special, exclusive reviews, opinion pieces, all that will be out sometime in the summer. Released it to be confirmed. So that's all of my stuff. You can find this podcast on uh, buzzsprout.mrpinatedweb.com. I've been Mr. Pinionator from myself, Nathan, and my guest, Mike. Goodbye. (laughs)